We are in the book of Ecclesiastes. You want to talk about meaningless? We're in the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's what it talks about. We're reading, we're walking our way through the Bible. Now, that gives me a really good opportunity to bring this up. Next week is uh, Isaiah, because we've done Song of Solomon. Next week is Isaiah. However, it's a big book, so we're going to do it over two weeks. And we're going to have a shorter sermon for Senior Sunday anyway. So, woohoo! Uh, but a shorter sermon. Yeah, I love this. Only work one day a week. I got half a day off. You know, that's, that's brilliant. Next week, I get, you know, 30% off. Uh, we, are, um, we, we love our seniors. We want to make sure we, we give them the time and appreciation that, that they deserve. But we're in Ecclesiastes this time, and it is remarkable how modern many of the books of the Bible are. Some of them very odd to us. A different world, no question. The books of Kings or Chronicles, it's a whole different world to us. But when you read Ecclesiastes or when you read Isaiah, especially as you're reading Isaiah over the next two weeks, read it and look at the news. Read it, read your newspapers. Read it and listen to discussions around you. You'll find it is just as modern today it applies just as much today as it did the day it was written. And Ecclesiastes is another one of those books. It speaks to that void we feel, that ache in our heart, an existential crisis we all face sometime or another. Why are we here? What's the point? Well, that's what this book is about. Why are you here? What's the point? The seniors that are going to graduate, I, uh, I graduated a couple of times myself, and I can't remember any of the graduation speeches that they brought in, to, you know, the big important people with the big long pedigree, but I remember all of the speeches I've ever heard from the high school students, because they all have one theme in there, and that is, we're graduates now, so it's our world now, yay. And I keep thinking, oh my goodness, when they wake up tomorrow, what that's going to feel like. That's not, a, that's not a slam, by the way, because when you graduate college, it hits you again, and it keeps hitting you in life. You're always the new kid, no matter what you do in life. Even now that I'm getting older, I'm the new kid getting older. So when I talk to other people and I go, wow, getting older, my, my back's hurting, they always look over and go, well, you don't know anything yet. <laughs> no matter what age you are, you're the new kid. And this, this, all right, who are we then? What does it matter? Why are we here? What's the whole point of it? Well, this book speaks to this, and it's, it's thought, by the way, that Solomon wrote the book. It's not certain. It is thought that he wrote the book, and we're not going to go through all of that today. We're just going to assume that he did. The book of Ecclesiastes does not mean Solomon wrote it. It means the preacher. It's a sermon. Uh, this is a, a kind of a downer sermon, actually, but it's a sermon. And if it is Solomon, it makes a lot of sense because Solomon made a concerted effort his entire life to find pleasure and meaning and place, and he had the resources to do it. The Bible refers to him as the wisest mere man that ever lived. I think that's because he had so many mothers-in-law to advise him. And when you want to talk about money and resources, they were incredible. They were vast. We once did the math on this when it talks about this much gold, this much silver, and we did it in a current exchange and how much room would be required to hold that. It was incredible. So all the wisdom 
all the wealth, and yet something's unsettled. Something's unsettled in Solomon's life. In chapter 2, he says that pleasures and joys are out there if you want to pursue them, if you pursue them with all you've got. So he did. Take a look at chapter 2, the first 11 verses. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. In other words, if it's pleasurable, it's good. That was the idea. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to, to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built for houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs and water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves that were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater than, by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all of this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I had surveyed all that my hands had done and what I'd toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. You see what I mean whenever I say, it seems to be a downer of a book downer of a sermon when he says I gave it everything and I had the resources to do it I do question a few of the things that he says when he says he gave himself to to wine and pleasure but he kept his wisdom in all of it I'm thinking hey maybe the first class or two but the wisdom begins to ebb as the fluid level in, in intake increases there's that there's a there's a problem here but when it's all over he says is it was it worth it we all ask that question don't we if you've not asked it, you're not paying attention. Almost everybody does. The rest of chapter 2 is quite depressing taken on its own. We're going to jump in and out of a few verses there. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Ow. Look at this. What, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Wow. So what's the point of it all? Why are we doing it all? It seems so depressing whenever he says, we put all this work into it, but the foolish people are going to get as much good as the smart people, and the foolish people and the wise people both die. There are a lot of things on the news, and we were watching some of them. We were displaced persons uh, for a while again this week with the ice damage to our house, moving us back out for a while. Uh, and then in a hotel, watching some of the news and a whole bunch of things going on, earthquakes and scandals and politics and the like. Then we went down to the breakfast room, and it had on one of the major networks, their morning news. 
And I sat there fascinated for about 45 minutes. No news. It was interviews with the Marvel film stars. And it was uh, a little cotton candy thing about the London Marathon coming up. And then a whole lot of time on the new royal family baby that may be born. And all, everybody was just focused on I'm looking around going, wait a minute. You lot shot us over this. Why, are you, why do you want a royal family now? You had a perfectly good king. Um, I said all that inside. I said that inside. But even though they knew nothing about the news, nothing about the scandals, nothing about their vote counts as much as mine. Every so often you look around and say, what's the point? What's the point? You live your life, you do your best. I know of people that say all their life they're good Christian people. They have struggled with infertility. And they look around and they say, and here's this person with six babies from four different people. How's that fair? That's Ecclesiastes. That's what we're talking about today. That time that you look around yourself and say, what's the point? Solomon begins to question why to even go to work in the morning. Look at these passages. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. So what did they gain since they toil for the wind? Looking for some bigger cosmic thing since it's not possessions, evidently, and it's not accomplishments, evidently. He looks for justice and he looks about and sees injustice. Rich and evil people prosper while good people, he says, go hungry. They perish. And since we all have an appointment with death, why not just go for pleasure? Why not go for fun? Why not spend your money while you can? What you see in this book is what life looks like if you're earthbound. If all you see is what you see. If the only view that you've got is from the human level, not from God's view. If we're all just cosmic accidents, just random arrangements of stardust, and if the universe does not know us, care about us, and does not even, not even aware that we're here and will not mourn us when we die, as Carl Sagan famously said, then what is the meaning of life? What, what, why should we be kind? Why should we do good? Why should we share? What's the point? I'm so glad our two-year-olds don't grasp this yet because it's already so hard. You'll say, share. And that's a foreign concept to a two-year-old, by the way. To the, a two-year-old who's in pre-concrete operations and they're thinking, the word share means give it away. They're struggling with this. If they understood the book of Ecclesiastes, they might look at you and say, what's the point? They're an accident. I'm an accident. Everybody dies. I may as well keep it. But there's also in this book another view, that life can be endowed with dignity, meaning, and even purpose. 
Take a look at these passages. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I want you to think for a moment today. Uh, the people in Nepal that had nothing, and now that's gone. You and I have so much, we're spoiled and we get upset. As I've said before, our microwave can break and we get in front of it yelling, there is no God. We're so spoiled. And God says, you know something? Enjoy what you have. Oh, you have religions that are out there that will say, don't enjoy anything because that's sinful. Do you remember when Jesus came eating and drinking, they called him a uh, a wine-bibber and a glutton, a drunkard and a glutton, because he enjoyed eating and drinking with the people. And that was just, no, no, you don't do that. Religious people have to have no joy. And yet this book says, enjoy it. Think about this. We have, there's an old Scottish blessing about that some have meat, but uh, would, would have meat, but don't have it. Some have it, but can't eat it. We have meat and we can eat, and so you let the Lord be thank it, as Robert Burns said. We have, we have food. Even eating is a spiritual thing, a drive-through. We, can, we don't even have to get out of our car, much less hunt it. We, uh, we, and you might say, well, I had to find the fast food. No, you didn't. Siri did. <laughs> because Siri understands Americans. So you're in the drive-thru, and you can order a food-like substance. <laughs> and you have money in your pocket to buy said substance, and you can eat it. That's a spiritual, and if you eat a lot of it, you will be a spirit sooner. So it's a spiritual experience. God says, enjoy the taste. Enjoy the work. We had a, a brother in Inverness, Scotland, the, high, the capital of the Highlands of Scotland, that, um, named John, not a third of all men, I think, are named John uh, in Scotland. And he had burned his brain out with alcohol so many years. He'd come to Jesus, and all that was left was a simple John. I was one day walking down the street in Inverness. It was cold, blustery day as, as normal. And there's John out with a big push broom sweeping the streets. Yeah, it's done by push broom still. Or it was then, at least. And I just stopped and looked at John. And I said, John, how you doing, son? And he looked at me with this beaming smile. And he says, I'm doing great, Patrick. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm sweeping streets for the Lord. How many of us would be miserable with that job? Absolutely miserable. One time... This is not here. A couple years ago, Cammie called me. She said, how's your day going? And I went, so many needy, hungry, poor, and frustrated people are coming into my office. I can't get church work done. 
she knew what it meant. Yeah, preach. Yes, yes. You know, you're supposed to. You're supposed to let me be. This is supposed to be easy. No. Uh, the, the point being, and she knew I was. I was playing with her. Will you just take pride in your work? Will you just enjoy your day? Whatever that day brings, can you enjoy it? It's a gift from God. I think of Stephen Hawking. Well, let's, let's read this because I didn't have that up there. Thanks, guys. This is what I've observed to be good, that it's appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Enjoy it. I think of Stephen Hawkins. Yes, an atheist. I think of everything taken from Stephen Hawkins. He's only able to communicate one eye blinking. And yet look at what we know, or at least we understand a bit more, about black holes, spiral galaxies, quantum physics, because he didn't shut it down in bitterness, but rather used what he had to sit, to think, to work with what he had. Some of you are in that situation as well. You work, you produce, but you've got a bad back. You've got a bad kid. You've got, a, you've got um, migraines, whatever it is, but you push through the day, you still produce something, and at the end of the day, you might think it wasn't worth it, but it was. It mattered. It changed things. Where are your eyes? On the beauty and meaning of the world, or is the devil stealing your joy? Instead of... You know, Somebody this today is, there's, we, I'm glad we have a few visitors because it looks like half the members couldn't make it. Uh, they're they're going to tell me that they got held up close to where the beer tent is. We'll have another sermon. We'll have another sermon. Everybody run out there with your iPhones. Run quickly. Um, I have some visitors and one said, uh, you you've lost a lot of weight in the last 10 years. Well, I did, and I said, because I wanted to play with my grandsons, and that's really true. But I need to stress something. God doesn't like me better thin than he did when I was heavy. We make those judgments. God does not. God said, eat your food if you want it. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the rain. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy the... Winter, if you can. <laughs> Don't let the devil steal your joy. Your grandparents knew the name of every tree. Have you ever, do you ever notice that? They knew the name of every tree, every flower. You know why? They took time to look at it. Well, some of it was because they didn't have a car to speed it past them at 70 miles an hour. They had to walk. You had a long time to get to know that tree. You didn't have much else to talk about after a while. You talked about the tree. And you knew the names of the trees, the names of the birds. I don't know the names of the trees or the flowers. I don't, even the easy ones, I don't know the names of them. They did. Because they took time. What if you took time over your meal? Eating is a spiritual event. It was given much meaning in that day. Can be today as well. 
Life can be enjoyed as we live it. Here's, I wish I'd known this when I was your age, but I gotta admit something. If somebody had told me, I wouldn't have paid attention. So if you don't pay attention to me, fair enough. I'm getting my own back, all right? Life is to be enjoyed as you live it. Don't try to figure out the future. Instead, every, in fact, don't try to figure it out. Anything. Life is not a mystery to be solved. It's an adventure to be lived. Whatever's going on that day, I, um, I have watched people get so mad on a golf course. I have seen them curse and throw expensive equipment. They paid a lot of money to be there and are stomping around. And I'm going, what's the point? You're not in a room somewhere with no window. You're outside. That's, that's pretty impressive. That's, that's fun right there. And some of them will say, oh, I just wish I could. No, you got to see the woods. <laughs> you saw places none of the rest of us saw. <laughs> some of us paid per stroke a lot more to play this game than you did. <laughs> you got a bargain. Enjoy it. Sure, this, there's a, a phrase he says all the time. Chapter 10, verse 14 is just one of the occasions. If we, could, we don't have that? We don't. They're doing this. He did too write it. Hang on. <laughs> Lucky for me, my PowerPoint slide is still working. Um, no one knows what is coming. Uh, chapter 10, verse 14. And who can tell someone else what will happen after them? We don't know. We should make wills. We should make this world the best world we can make it and leave the best world we can make it to our children and our grandchildren. But what they do with it is up to them. Some of you will see, for example, what I might spend on a guitar and think, ooh, that's an awful lot of money. But you'll spend a whole lot more on a car or a computer, and in a few years... That's worn out where a guitar can last for 100, 200 years and be passed down to the family. Now, I say that. You need to hear the next bit of this. In our will, we're already talking to our kids and our grandkids about who gets which instrument. Finn, my three-year-old grandson, loves my guitars. Sits and watches TV with me with a guitar on his lap. He won't watch without one. And I'm going, yes. So let's say we give Finn that guitar. One of these days he might decide, I need a computer and sells the guitar. It's not my business. What comes after me is not my business. Today is my business. What I do today with what I have, that's my business. Nothing else is. So in the words of a great cultural hero, let it go. It is best to speak of not the meaning of life, since this is an adventure. It's best to speak of the meanings of life, because there are many meanings in life. We just have to look for them. Love and laughter and joy and eat and drink and work. That's, that's meaningful. It matters. 
Is there evil and injustice in the world? Of course there is, but that's because we brought it here. And we engaged in it, and we played with it. I love the song, by the way, the I'm Redeemed song. I didn't, hadn't heard it before. Obviously, many of you had, uh, and, and it was done very beautifully. Love the song. Don't understand this is not a criticism of the song. It's a criticism of me. As I looked at the words, I kept saying, it keeps saying that the past, the past, the past. And I'm thinking, that's still my present. The ghosts aren't in my past. They've come after me. Uh, we're already, oh, you're, you're going to move me along whether I'm going there or not. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, she's up there going, the Main Street Festival will be over. I'll read this, this only I have found. God created man upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. We brought it here. We broke the universe. You break it, you buy it. And so I was told somebody today, they said, what about this, that, and the other? I said, I look at that as job security. I read the newspaper, and I think they still need Jesus. I got a job. I listen to the news. I don't go, oh, what's this world coming to? I know what it's coming to, a big barbecue at the end, but I know... <laughs> My job is not to care about what happens tomorrow. My job is to get through today being useful to God. And enjoy the trip. I told my kids a long time ago, if you ever fall, find yourself falling out of an airplane without a parachute, enjoy the view. Because out of all your options, that's the best one. Because if you're screaming and crying, you'll miss it. Well, not like miss the ground, but you, you won't see it. And, and it's not like you're going to see it again. So on the way down, see if you can see your house from there. You probably thought when we said Ecclesiastes, we were going to leap into the bird song and to everything there is a season, but nah. The Bible, it does talk a lot in that book about timing. There's a time and place for everything. And learning how to use your time is a lifelong struggle. But remember what Solomon also taught us in Proverbs, that if you stop to sharpen your axe, you're not wasting time. If you stop to rest so that you can do more work, you're not wasting time. Brothers and sisters, work is very, very valuable. We have been called to work, but we have also been called to Sabbath. Take a rest. Back away. Think a bit. Somebody um, asked me yesterday on Facebook, they said, how do you get your wife to be okay with you buying guitars? And I said, it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> it's cheaper than medication, hospitalization, and divorce. And she knows I will be a lot steadier, steadier with this. With her, she's, she is, she's done figure skating. She does this. And why do I encourage her? Because it's her Sabbath. We need Sabbath. How many... I've I got to warn you, though, guys. The devil doesn't want you to enjoy your day. He doesn't want you to take your Sabbath. He doesn't want you to like your work. And he will use good things to destroy the... How many symphonies will not be written because of our phones? How many great books will not be read because we have phones to look at? How many people will not learn to play an instrument because they, their phone ate up their time? 
I'll tell you right now, I found out several, uh, some time ago that phones and computers have killed my joy of movies because we'll be watching one at home and we're checking phones. Or we're che and I had to figure out, put it down so I could actually enjoy something again. The scripture warns us against that which would distract us. Here's the thing. Growing old is not an option. The day ends, the day begins. That's not an option. The Rolling Stone magazine declared my generation the 11th greatest rock and roll song in history. Sung by The Who, lead singer Roger Daltrey. And the song, the one line keeps pump, pumping in there, hope I die before I get old. Roger Daltrey is 71. And he is still singing that song. I keep thinking, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Aging is not optional. Either we die or we age. And most of the time, we do both, don't we? Look at chapter 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground from which it came and the spirit returns to God who gave it. I want to tell you, I don't find that depressing and here's why. Every time my children wanted to hold my hand, I held their hand. And it was precious because there would be a last time. Whenever I proposed to Miss Cammie, I sold almost everything I owned to buy a, the tiny remnant of a diamond. As far as she knows, that's what it is. It's <laughs> all I had. I sold books and furniture and everything else I could to get that bit. She didn't ask me to. Why, why didn't I just go get a big rock, like a piece of gravel? Because we only value what is limited. Whenever I see, Patrick, your life will end, that makes today more valuable. It doesn't make it meaningless. It makes it more precious. I'm not going to get this one again. So I'm going to enjoy this ride, even if there's no parachute. And when I grow up, and I do intend to, I want to be like my heroes. And I'm saying this, and many of you may think this is pandering. It's not pandering. I absolutely honor military and other great heroes. But my heroes are sitting on that row right there. These ladies that have been members here for decades and who encourage the changes and love during the changes and love our teens and love our church. You are my heroes. And I want to grow up to be like you. And I want to grow up to be like the Brinkers. Because they like people. They do. This, the sweetness you've got, the love you show to everybody you meet, it's amazing. And then your family still likes you and they show up. That's some of them. We don't care about the others. 
I want to be like that. Knowing we're going to age, decide how you, who you want to be when you get there. Jack Exum said when he was a young man, he decided that when he grew up, he wanted to become a sweet old man. I told my wife, that's really sweet. That's neat. And this, I was in my 20s at that time, or maybe in my 30s at that time, I guess. Looked at Cammie and I said, I think I want to do that too. She said, you might want to get started. Fair enough. Ecclesiastes shows us a, joy, a, a God that wants us to enjoy every season of life. I loved being a dad. I love being a granddad. I, I enjoy the seasons. This is, he wants us to be wise about our choices. Fair enough. He wants us to know that all choices have consequences. Look at chapter 11, verses 7 through 10. Life is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However... Many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all, but let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you're young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now that's not a threat. That's just saying everything has a consequence. Play this well. Use this well. Some people think of God as a severe, unsmiling God who hates pleasure. But just real quick, our last passages today, let's put these up. So then banish anxiety. Oh, see, I, I wanted to skip that anyway, sorry. So I commend the enjoyment of life. God, so I commend the enjoyment of life. Because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved approved what you do. And always be clothed in white and, and always anoint your head with oil. In other words, don't walk around going all disheveled going, I'm so depressed. Dress up. Enjoy. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, he reminds us. All the days of this... Well, some of us don't have to be reminded, but some of you do. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. So what's the meaning? The meaning is enjoy. God wants you to enjoy. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. By the way, I, I, I sense a tongue and a cheek sometimes in Ecclesiastes. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you're going, there's neither working or planning or knowledge or wisdom. So may as well do it now, he's saying. Go ahead, enjoy it now. Oh my goodness. Jesus comes and he eats with us and he drinks with us. He goes to parties weddings and the like, hangs out with people that other people wouldn't hang out with. He keeps his righteousness. He keeps who he is. He remembers who who he is. He doesn't sin, but he doesn't... All right, let me just back up. What if you had your family over? What do you want them to do? You want them to laugh and enjoy. You don't want them to, to to, to walk around all the time. 
We like to thank you, dear grandfather, for the food that you provided. We hope it'll nourish our bodies, but it's haggis, what are the odds? Let's, uh, let's try to struggle through this somehow, and may your name be blessed. No, we want laughter and noise. So does God. That's why he even ends the Psalms by saying, grab every instrument you've got and make some noise for God. It's what he wants. All right. Mark, I'm about to end, if you want to make your way up. When Jesus came, he told us, fear not, love one another. And work for the night is coming when no man can work. And he was criticized for enjoying his time with us, but he enjoyed it anyway. He noticed the lilies of the field. He also noticed the blind man alongside the road. He did good. He went about doing good. And then he said, follow me. Would you stand with me, please? And a, a word of blessing, a song, and we'll be dismissed. This day will end. There is no option for that other than the coming back of God. This day will end. The only option, the only question on the table is how will you spend it and will you spend it well in joy? Follow the Lord that created joy. May God be with you. Peace.